Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. And my guest today is Classy Bessels. And many of you, he's a favorite to many of you. And to those who have just tuned into my program, I'm so pleased you're about to meet Classy. Classy is a diplomat logotherapist. We are colleagues. He's an internationally qualified educator in logotherapy. He's a leadership coach and executive business coach. And he does coaching, uh, coaching and mentoring on a personal reinvention level. He was a very successful businessman until he changed his life and chose other ways. Um, he takes life-changing trips to the Himalayas, to Nepal, and he's the director of the Street School Journeys of Discovery. If none of you have heard him before, you can pick up three, three different podcasts that he and I did last year. You'll find them, I see it's changed, no longer is it going under Finding Human, it's now under Sue Jackson Archives High FM. Whoops, sorry, that was my alarm, I had no idea why it's going off. Our topic today is Grow Through the Storm. And I saw this quote, and I don't even know who, who said it. Fate whispers to the warrior, you cannot withstand the storm. The warrior whispers back, I am the storm. Hello, Classy. We are going to be discussing another year of COVID, another year of our strengths, and another year of how we're going to be coping and living meaningfully in this uh, time. Hi, Welcome. Sue. It's so hi. nice to see your face. Thank you. Likewise. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me on your show. I made the mistake of saying to Classy, what ideas do you have? Because I said to him, this is what I'd like to discuss. Another year of COVID, another year of choices, looking at our survival strengths. And he sent me back a list of what he thought. Well, I have been working flat out to make sure I knew what you were talking about, Classy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 actually really uh, piqued my my interest as well. Last year, um, we you and I discussed with um, John uh, Turler and and Sonia Human your trips to the Himalayas, and I believe you're doing another one in April this year. Absolutely, yeah. We've got uh, sixteen people together. Wow. And the in- the interesting thing is, um, if if I was to say why are they coming now what is the common denominator because i mean every person is coming for a different reason i think the common denominator is i need to do this bucket list item and i need to do it now mm. so th- th- there's something there's an there's a sense of urgency to do the things that i want to do that's important to me and uh, it's obviously related to the whole psychological effect of COVID on us and reminding us of the fleetingness of life and how things pass us by and how precious life actually is. Um, you know, we often say life is short. We don't, we don't know that that's not necessarily true, but it's very, very valuable and precious. 
So well, I think that know, seems to be a phenomenon. I think it's fantastic that you've got that amount. So they've mm. actually risen above the fear of of getting out of their cocoon, of of living in in so-called safety. Yeah. And yeah. they're exploring. You know, I know you're a favorite of Socrates. And he said the secret of change is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Oh wow, that's such a cool quote. But you know, you know how that links with um, something Frankel said, something to the effect of the past has power where the future is not visible. Wow. And what you just said about Socrates, that you know, we. We, as humans, we navigate between past, present, and future. And often our attention is mostly in the future or in the past. You know, we, we live in the now, but, you know, we, our, that's not where our attention is. We are forever thinking of what I have to do for dinner, tomorrow, the meeting, yesterday, guilt. You know, we, 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 we jump across these time zones. And this idea that the, 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 the past and the future have got almost equal power over us. And if we choose to spend our time in the past, that's where we're going to live. But the thing, if the future is not visible, it makes it very hard. If we don't have that sense of vision of where to go and where to from here. And Frankl refers to this as a harvest. He mm-hmm. says that there's, you know, there's the harvest is on the land. And it's, it's in, in a way, it's a metaphor for the future, you know, and, and, what is that harvest that we're going to bring in? It, uh, there's no actualities in the future, nothing. The actualities lie in the past, you know. But, yeah, interesting quote of Socrates. That is actually very, very true and very interesting because on one of our previous podcasts, I remember we spoke about legacy. And the other day someone sent me that poem. I mean, you, you know it. I think it's Linda Ellis, The Dash, and how we live our dash. Yeah. And I think that is what you've just said. That's part of our legacy, living actually not in the past, not even in, in the future, but in the present, Absolutely. because this life is short. So yeah. we have to live within the time that we're given. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a thing about human well-being that life, you know, life is a riddle sometimes. We sometimes we cannot make sense of it. And. Our ability to deal with paradox, to deal with ambiguity, to deal with the grayness, it is on one part, it is a challenge, it, or it's, it's like a reality, we, we have to do it, that is one of life's conditions, you know, it's just how it is, uh, there's always going to be those things, but secondly, we are able to do it. We are able to deal with negative and positive. No, no, human well-being is about integrating these differences and the ability to reconcile this. And, you know, just personally, if I look at myself, you know, the times where I don't feel well mentally or physically, mentally, I'm mostly speaking mentally, it is that I'm struggling to integrate bad stuff. Into my life, and you know, <laughs> I cannot We're going escape to get it. back to that shortly. <laughs> this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on one hundred one point nine High FM. This is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Classy Vessels. And uh, you, you want to SMS us? You can on three four five one nine, or you can telegram us on zero six one. Eight nine five one zero one nine. 
You know, Classy, what you were talking about just before we went to break uh, brings me to some, you, you've just run a, a corporate or you're busy running corporate uh, workshop at the moment and um, a leadership, mindfulness leadership program. And one of the things that you spoke about to me that you said you would like to discuss was growth through decluttering. Uh, absolutely. Um before we jump, can I just mention something else just to create the context? This thing about, we're talking about growth in the storm. And Justin, it's a, it's a personal opinion, um, but it is founded or based on the, the work of Frankel and other stuff that I've, that I've come across that, you know, we, we are, we are forever growing and we forever have to grow. We will never escape it. The spiritual tension inside us, that nagging little feeling, that feel, "Mm, come on, come on, come on. There's a good thing about that. Otherwise, spiritual, you know, we we will die a psychic rigor mortis, you know, if we we do. We always have to grow. The fact that we are struggling now during times of COVID, COVID, it's not so much the, the need for growth hasn't changed. I think it is just... It, we, our lives have been disrupted and we are struggling to maybe finding our footing again. But the need for growth and just, and then I'll, I'm going to come to, to, to decluttering because there's a paradox in it because growth suggests accumulation. It suggests having more. But decluttering is about having less. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, and, and just a last comment on the, the motivation for growth. The concept of continuous learning. You know, I come from an era where you go to school, then you go to university or college, and you start working, and then you work and work and work and work, and one day you stop working, and then they call it retirement, and then you whatever, read the newspaper. <laughs> but that is such rubbish because continuous learning is a, that is, we, we have to continuously learn new skills. Learn new things, um, not, not, not you know, not to build new careers necessarily, but we have to upskill ourselves. And the era we're going in, we are going into a time where people who are not able to adjust and learn new things and and are skillfully adapting to a new environment are going to be left behind, yes. which is going to be very sad. Mm-hmm. And they feel very overwhelmed. And you know, it's, it Indeed. actually reminds me of of another favorite of yours, Marcus Aurelius, and I came across this quote, and think of yourself as dead. You have lived your life. Now take what's left and live it properly. Mm, amazing. Isn't that amazing? Because yeah. it's what you say, you know, this, uh, I come from that era as well. You, you get educated at school, then educated yeah. uh, post-school, and then, you know, you bring up a family, you work, yeah. you do whatever, and yeah. then you retire, and then you die. Yeah. So why do that when it's exactly what he says? Think of yourself as dead. You have lived your life. Now take what's left and live it properly. Absolutely. I mean, you, yeah. love, you love the Stoics. Yeah. So let's get to decluttering. So, you know, we've, uh, many of your listeners and we've all heard about the concept of decluttering. And, um, I was actually preparing for this workshop I'm doing for the corporate that runs over eight months. And we've actually blended face to face with technology and it actually works very cool uh, with, with Zoom and uh, Teams platforms. Um, I, 
I thought I'm just going to research this concept of decluttering a little bit. And I was amazed at the amount of research that has been done by American University professors and students on the effect of clutter. And I'm not going to go through the research. I mean, you know, people can go and read up for themselves. But the the, the what I'm about to say is based on on scientific study. Can I just Which, stop you there? You say you you know you've been looking it up since you've challenged me. I have been looking it up too, <laughs> and there is a lot of research into yeah. it, and it's all going through my mind and through my yeah. mind. Okay. So the short of it is that. A cluttered environment increases cortisol and um, uh, uh, has a hormonal effect that increases stress and as a result creates feeling of depression. I mean, I'm, I'm now, I'm now fast forwarding through the research. I'm not yet to just convince anybody of this stuff, but this is sort of the, the, what I took out of it is decluttering is really not a good idea. One should have less and more organized, you know, environments. Now, the, the there are businesses, growth businesses, um, storage businesses are growth, yes. which is a which is which is bizarre because we are just accumulating stuff. Now, the obvious suspects is the garage that is too full and we can't park the car, and you know, you open the kitchen cupboard and there's so many Tupperware in it, and blah blah blah. That is one way of decluttering, the physical. But there's also a mental decluttering, which is, for me, much harder. The ability to calm down, to have less – not so much, I mean, it's very difficult to have less thoughts. I'm not, I don't think we are possible to not – it's not possible not to think. Of course, we can have thoughts. But the thoughts could be calmed like an ocean. It could be – Gently flowing up, gently rising and gently falling instead of a storm. Mm. But often our thoughts are stormy. You know, we, we are so whimsical. We are on a, it's almost as if we have emotional motion sickness. We are forever, our emotions are yo-yoing up and down, up and down, up and down. So this decluttering for me is a pointer not only to the physical decluttering of Cleaning out the cupboards and, and, you know, and, and we all know, well, if you, if somebody hasn't done it, try it. It is such a cool feeling to clean out a cupboard, to freshen it up, to make it neat, get rid of stuff that you haven't used. I mean, you know, Sue. Well, I do. And my husband will be agree- being, will definitely be agreeing with you, Classy, because he's forever telling me to, to declutter. But you know what? Declutter, I think, is also mentally and physically. It's actually, it's being stuck in so many ways and, and not moving forward. You know, just being, it's, it's postponed decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, there's a, there's a, um, there's a courage required to declutter because if you really go and analyze why do I not want to get rid of these Tupperwares, and we're now talking detail because often, you know, ah. we speak so intellectually that it doesn't land. So why do I want to keep all these shoes that I don't really wear? Why do I have to have so many shoes? So, so if each in our own way need to go and analyze why do we have these stuff? And 
for me, there's a there's a there's a sense of attachment. I'm I'm clinging to these things because it makes it makes me feel I don't know secure. It makes me feel defined. It makes me feel this is who I am. It makes me feel this is part of me. But all of those are just feelings. It is just it's just a emotional rubbish in our heads. And the confidence to say, you know what, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with five pairs of shoes and not fifteen or whatever. I, I know. There's people having insane amounts of stuff, you know. But the, it takes a lot of courage to actually minimize down. So, but it comes from personal analysis. And, um, you know, the, the, we cannot escape the intellect. We cannot escape our thinking. Uh, but that for me, that is, that is where part of this analysis starts. So once we understand that, so you know what? It's absolutely, I'm just, it, my, it, it, it feeds my ego. Then we've got something to work with. Otherwise, it is this undefinable, indefinable thing that we cannot grip. So in this time of COVID, it's what you're saying is it's something we can do. Physically, we can declutter our homes. Now, mentally, the mental decluttering so that we, we, in our minds, we clear out to allow more space for healing. How would you go about doing that? So there are four. I came across this the other day. There are, think about four amazing skills, habits, that we could have for mental calmness, wellness, Tranquility. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the four. The first one is an ability to concentrate. Now, this is something we struggle with because we are forever flicking the channels. We are forever, you know, multitasking. We want to do a couple of things at the same time to simply concentrate. Now, this is the essence of a mindfulness practice is to put the mind somewhere and keep it there. It's like mental gyms. It's like gymnastics for the mind. Is like you're not doing a, a, a weightlifting for your body, your arms. You're doing weightlifting for your mind by focusing it on your breath, focusing it on a piece of music, focusing it on any any sense object that you may have. 30 seconds, practice. 30 seconds, practice. Don't try and sit and do this for an hour. It's not going to happen, you know. But slowly, slowly, practice concentration. Because if we can concentrate, then we have the joystick of the mind gripped in our own hands otherwise it's going to run like a crazy horse mm-hmm. so con- so concentration is the, is for me the the begin the, the starting point is to learn how to concentrate now not you, you we can't concentrate for an hour it's not possible but we can maybe concentrate when i'm speaking to you i'm speaking to you i'm not now making a list and checking my phone and oh you see you're not looking at me you know we, i can quickly now do something i'm concentrating on you. That's the first thing. The second thing is clarity. Now, clarity, you know, we have our own views. There's another view. There's a third view. There's maybe many perspectives, but the, the ability to see the situation clearly. And, and now logotherapy tells us the self distancing ability that we have. We are, we can step away from the car. We can, we can stand away. We can put some distance. And take an objective view of what is happening. Clarity. So often we get stuck in our own heads, stuck in our own heads. We are so busy with our own narrative. We are, and I, I'm 
first in the queue. I get so wrapped up in my own thinking that I, I, I don't, I'm not, now I start believing my own, my story. own, I believe my own story. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that becomes very, very overwhelming. Absolutely. So, you know, um, a part of the, this overwhelming clutter I was reading about, it said there's so many different ways that it's anything that stops you from leading the life you want. So it can be physical, digital, emotional, mental, spiritual. I mean, you know, that's when I think of digital. Uh, a friend of mine asked me if I'd received an invitation yesterday, and I said, you know what, I've only just turned on my emails from being away, and I'm feeling overwhelmed by how many there are that I need to get back to. So digitally, definitely, there's clutter. There's, uh, there's too many YouTubes or too many things that you've stored that you haven't watched. And, you know, so that can be very overwhelming. Absolutely. Sue, I'm going to get to the third point. So we, we're talking about these four great skills for, yes, a, for a comp. So, so concentration, clarity. The third one is care. And it links in beautifully what you just said. Care. Because we have so much. We have messages all over the show. We have contacts. We have, you know, it's just, and we have stuff that we don't care for the little detail, for the little nuances, for the, the for, like in this conversation, I'm caring to, to have a conversation with you that is valuable. And I hope it is. And I'm, and I want to put care into this conversation. When I'm finished, I'm going to, I've got another project. I'm just going to start with, I want to put, try and put care into that project. Or when I speak to somebody, I want to put care into the conversation. So, so, so care is, and it, and it's, it obviously it's also self-care, you know, how do we care for ourselves and our internal language, but it's a, it's a, it's a concept that we need to grip and, and work with and do something with. And it is, it sits in this thing about growth. Because yes, if we can become more caring, it is growth. It is a spiritual growth. The last one is what, what is called equanimity. And I referred to it earlier to, to, to not be on this emotional roller coaster so much. Equanimity in the sense of calm and stable and centered and, and rooted and not be so bouncing off the walls like a pinball, you know, just, because sometimes, you know, stuff happens and we lose it. You know, we get so excited and we get, we get hijacked by the emotions and go into a, conversation about how incredible it can be and have you seen what has happened there and how terrible that is and blah 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 and we ramp up the drama we ramp up the drama the ability to just stay calm and oh okay that has happened and not be um i'm not suggesting to be um insensitive uh, and unemotional it's not about that but it is l- a little bit more calm and measured so i, I just thought these four um, would you say it's checking out the story and seeing what is true and what isn't true. Because what you're saying is so often something comes up and we start making the story in our own heads. And the story depends on our own experience of life or what we've just experienced. So something pretty innocent in our mind can be built up into, you know, oh, they really don't like me. They don't like this. They don't like that. And it can be really very, very difficult. I see Absolutely. a message has just come through, I think. Craig's trying to send it. Hello, Classy and Sue. Uh, less is more. In my 20s, I had a boss who took an interest in his staff. One morning, he came over to my office 
and her mum and um and he said to me, Mary Ann, you always dress very nicely. However, you're beginning to wear a lot of makeup. Less is more. I was quite confused at the time as I followed women magazines. After some thought, I began to wear far less makeup and saw for myself how much more attractive I looked. Unfortunately, I haven't learned uh, to have less in my cupboards yet. Thank you, Mary Ann. That's a lovely message. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's so cool. Wow. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I think you're right. I've also learned to do certain things with less, but not my cupboards yet. But, um, Classy, so just to go back to our story and that, that we build up in our head, I think that's what hijacks us so often. You know, I was watching, a, it was a, a, a program that I happened to just switch on and it was children's playground. And there were a whole lot of children, you know, in one of those things that you jump on and you turn round and round, you push with your foot and you go round and round uh, on, on them, about four children go at a time. And um, I saw one child jumped up and as he jumped up, he fell. And started to cry and his mother ran over to him and helped him. And I thought, well, I wonder what story he's going to have in his head about those roundabouts. Uh, you know, uh, is it going to be a, a fear-filled one or is it going to be one of excitement? And I, I felt like saying to his mom, help him get back on. Because I think that's where we often hijack ourselves. We don't get off our story. We stay on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that that is uh, it is so um, that is such a sad reality. Is that we things happen in our past that affects us, and you know one. Uh, you, you, we'll get back to that okay. in a moment. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on one hundred one point nine High FM. Hello. Right now, you're going to be listening to a, a very short YouTube by um, Eddie Wiesel, Nobel Peace, Peace Prize winner and Holocaust survivor, on his loss of all his money, his Peace Prize money, which he had put into a charity um, that he had started with his wife, who was also a Holocaust survivor. And he'll, you'll hear this very short YouTube, and we'll discuss it shortly. Thank you, Craig. It was late last year when Elie Wiesel learned that he and his foundation had lost all their money at the hands of Bernard Madoff. For the first moment, of course, was almost paralyzing. Then we shook ourselves up. And that is what Elie Wiesel wanted to talk about in his only television interview. How someone finds the resilience to shake themselves up in the face of such a blow. When my life seems to be partly or wholly in ruins, I build on them. I may even use the ruins for the buildings. Second, I will never allow anyone to change my life or destroy what I have done with it. Somehow, what I must keep in mind is what I think of myself. There is nothing sentimental about Wiesel's view of the world. He believes that evil is a palpable presence. He does not explain what happened as a mark of of God's mysterious will. Too easy. Human beings should be held accountable. Leave God alone. He has enough problems probably. I would imagine that one of the assets that you could draw on was literally a worldwide community of friends and colleagues. Were they there for you? No, not really. Very few. Very, very few. But you know, when this happens, it doesn't affect me really. 
I, 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 I gain in lucidity. The masks have been dropped. Others, people he had never met, did come through. Five dollars, ten dollars, children. One of them sent his Hanukkah money. And he said, I prevailed upon my parents to match, to match the fund. And in a sense, the horrors of what Vizel lived through six decades ago, watching his parents and little sister die in the concentration camps, provides him a sense of perspective. When I was young, I have lost everything, and almost everyone else. So all the other, really, other fortunes mean much less. Look, if I were alone in the world, I would have the right again to choose despair, solitude, and self-fulfillment. But I am not alone. And if someone is, I have to be present to someone who is alone. And of course that is the sense of my life. Look at my age. I have to be uh, self-conscious of what I'm trying to do with my life. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Classy Vessels, and we've got another two messages that have come through. One from Carol Zimmerman, it says, Dearest Sue and Classy, are these the three or four C's to a better life? I'm waiting for number four. And then Paniotti Pan, Paniotti said just what I needed. Oh my goodness, my dear Sue and Classy. Um, you are, you two are the best. This couldn't have come at a better time for me. Just hang on a sec. It's not coming through the rest. Um, my son and family are leaving the country soon and this has created so much depression for me. They keep bringing stuff from their house to my tiny house. Better stuff than my house. So I'm pleased about it all, but my house is already cluttered and then it doesn't, the rest doesn't come through. But thank you so much, Pan, and that's very, True, isn't it, that we often do take on other people's clutter too, mm. not just physical clutter. Mm. Absolutely. So, Classy, so just, going back to that three C's, yeah. is there a four? Uh, the fourth one is equanimity. It's not, uh, they're not all C's. So it's, it's concentration, clarity, care, equanimity. Okay. So that, that, that is the four sort of, uh, four sort of key sk- skills that, that one can uh, try and adopt. You know, there are so many of these floating around, but I just thought this was uh, this was quite it was quite in- interesting. That was. And I hope that answers your question, Carol. You know, going back to um, Elie Wiesel, I think he what he is talking about is so much logotherapy. Quite honestly, you know, his his ability to self transcend what was happening, to actually take from the past and say that was far worse. Absolutely. What can I bring into the future? Absolutely. You know, and then also what very much struck me was when he said that if he was living for himself, he would have gone into despair, solitude and self-fulfillment. But he's not living for himself. He's living for others. It, sorry, so I lost you there in, in the, in the transmission. There was a, there was a glitch oh, there. there. Was a uh, what, what I picked up from him is taking responsibility. The ability to be alone and tackle this challenge alone. And in the end, he said, I'm not alone. So in there, there's, there's a, there's a flip there. He, at, at first, he, he acknowledged that he could do this. He has to do this and he had to alone. He had to do this. 
But secondly, he transcended this and said, but I'm, there are, I'm not alone. There are people who are more needy than me. And there he transcended himself and, 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 and paid it forward. And the defiancy to, to take a stand. So it, it is such a powerful story. Yeah, no, that's uh, such that's a really powerful remarkable. story. And the, the foundation that he and his wife started has gone on because of the, the generosity of people who, who realized that everything was lost and they kept giving it on. So that, that amazed him. Yeah. Now, uh, the other thing that you actually mentioned, because, I mean, there's a lot more to discuss about clutter, but you also said to me boundaries. Now, how to enable growth through boundaries. Do you remember telling me to please jack up on that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe, um, we could, we could actually have a talk only on boundaries because mm-hmm. boundaries, just, just as a, as an opener, um, some boundaries are porous and need to be porous or do not need to be porous. And some boundaries are rigid, but they shouldn't be rigid. Some should be rigid. So just, the, just on the scale of boundaries that are porous and rigid, the, already we start analyzing this thing about boundaries because boundaries is not just time boundaries. For instance, there, there could be intellectual boundaries like people who have differences of opinions. How do I, how do I, how, how do I draw boundaries if I deal with people who do not have the same opinion as me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing, you know, but so, but we need to manage that boundary and it may need to be porous. Otherwise, absolutely. You know, just sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just thinking about boundaries. When I was young, my father said at our dinner table there was no to be no talk about politics or religion. Well, I've added no talk about vaccines because, quite honestly, uh, you know, the the anti-vaxxers and the vaxxers and uh, the conspiracy theories and the non-conspiracy theories. So somehow I had to set that Mm. boundary. Mm. Because, as you say, everyone's got different opinions and mm. the, the opinions are mm. porous, so there's truth mm. to each. Mm. But, um, you know, somehow you have to also say it's enough. Yeah. So, so just on the boundary thing, um, we can have intellectual boundaries. We can have value boundaries on things right. that we are able to tolerate value-wise or not. Uh, we can have physical boundaries, you know, physically our body sort of boundaries, obviously. Uh, there could be material boundaries, like this is my card and don't touch my card and that is my pen and don't touch my pen. Now, you know, some of these is not good to have boundaries there. You know, I mean, we all know with children, you know, we tell them to share, 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 but they don't want to always share. They want to have boundaries when it comes to my toys. And as we get older, the toys just change. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get back to that shortly. (laughs) This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Classy Vessels. And we were talking about boundaries. I am being told to start wrapping up. So we'll we'll have a separate program on boundaries uh, because they are so important, intellectual boundaries, physical boundaries, all those different boundaries, Classy. Um, but what I would like you to talk about right now is just your street school journey that's happening. Can people still... Join? 
So for base camp, um, we leave on, or the group leaves on the 1st of April. It's a 19-day journey to Nepal. Uh, we have a 13-14 day trek. Uh, we can accommodate maybe one or two, but actually, that uh, unfortunately, the group is we're 16, and I don't want to take more than 18. Otherwise, then the group becomes too big. But we are doing um, a mindfulness journey to India later this year. So on the streetschool.co.za uh, website, there will be detail. So we're doing that in India. I'm also doing a motorbike thing for maybe people who are a little bit more adventurous. <laughs> so we, we're riding with uh, with Royal Enfield motorbikes. Uh, it's very safe, but on high, high altitude roads in India. Wow. That's really, really, very wow. special. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, um, uh, but the, the, the India mindfulness journey will be, will be later this year. So you, we didn't finish the conversation about the child who fell off the swing. Yes. Well, do we have time or not? We don't really have time. Okay. Can we go back to the child who, <laughs> who actually fell? We can, we can meet again next month. Classy, because there are more messages that have come through. Um, and the one says from Carol again, beyond fascinating. Thanks to both of you. That's the one we answer, where you answered the four C's. Mary Ann says, absolutely, Sue. My father said the same to us. No discussion on politics, on religion and or sex. The vaccination saga causes divisions, not table talk. Thank you, Mary Ann. That's quite true. Uh, you know, as Victor Frankl said, we can leave on this note and then you can leave on your own note, Classy. But yeah. Victor Frankl said humor was another of the soul's weapons in the fight for self-preservation. So let's use that in this time of COVID as much as we can. How would you like to end? Controversially, that not speaking about something doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't make it a non-issue by not talking about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can have it at your dinner table. <laughs> and I'll discuss it with you privately. <laughs> Thank you so much, Classy. Thank you, Craig. We've actually got a, a song after we're finished, and it's with Tom Jones. He lost his wife for 59 years, and he thought he'd never, ever sing again. But he stepped into his light. And he did sing again, and the song will be coming up shortly. It won't be on the podcast, but you can pick it up yourself. And it's it's actually, um, it's called, just let me think, it's a tribute to his wife, um, and I can't even remember what the name beautiful. is. Anyway, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Sue. Thank Thanks you for, so thanks much. For and I'm sorry it was so short, and we have to rush, but we will discuss it again next month. Great. Take Thank care. you. Bye.